Welcome to Pilot Boys, episode 147. Today, we are talking about the Big Ten launching a new new media deal. We're talking about Chris Sale, the Red Sox pitcher. We're talking about Kevin Durant and the Brooklyn Nets. We're talking about Serena Williams. We're talking about the FBI raid for Trump's, uh, Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate. And finally, Paul Manafort and a little bit of leaking that has happened with the Russians. So stay tuned. We have a fun episode in front of you. Buckle up those seatbelts, put the trade tables up. The pilot boys are about to take off. Let's get it. So V, let's start first with the Big Ten. Uh, what, what, um, you know, what are your thoughts on first? This is like a landmark deal for the Big Ten. They're getting about three hundred fifty million dollars from just Fox uh, or just CBS, and this is Fox, CBS, and NBC that are bidding on the media rights or that are essentially a part of this deal. It's the first time in 40 years the Big Ten won't be on ESPN as well, which is pretty groundbreaking, I think, from a media power dynamic. Um, you know, what? What are? what's your view? I mean, we all kind of saw this coming with the USC and UCLA additions, expanding the global market, you know, raising the value of, of the enterprise. But you've had a lot more close experience with Big Ten Network, SEC Network, and all this world. Um, can you kind of break this down, explain what's going on? I mean, it's been very clear there's been an underlying issue here with the SEC. There's this kind of SEC bias because they have a large network deal with the SEC conference, um, with the SEC network. Um, there's been tension between these the rest of the conferences and ESPN regarding this for, for a while. Um, this is probably going to make the situation uh, even worse, you see you know, media bias, you see a lot of bias come out based on the dollars that are allocated, right, uh, to uh, to the media rights, right? And you can see kind of coverage, you can see the shift in coverage toward bias based on where the incentives lies. And this isn't just with ESPN. This is also going to take, take place with Fox and CBS now with this new deal. But, you know, when USC and UCLA joined the Big Ten, um, that's what this was about. That's what it's always about is expanding the footprint for TV media deals. I mean, it's very similar, um, similar but different than what, what has kept baseball afloat for so many years are these kind of regional-based TV deals. But with, with these networks now, when you expand your footprint from East Coast to West Coast, it's it's a numbers game. And so the numbers in terms of the TV deal, it was only a matter of time before the Big Ten renegotiated their media deal. And when you see the, the sheer dollar figures, you start to understand why NIL is, uh, is, is necessary when you see the amount of money uh, that is being generated. You, as you said, $350 million just from Fox. That doesn't include CBS, the CBS deal or um, the Big Ten Network deal either. Um, now, Big Ten Network is a subsidiary of Fox. Uh, as well, so that's not a that's not much of a reach there. So I don't know if the Fox deal is the Big Ten Network deal, um, and that's why it's so large. I didn't I didn't dig into the fine print there, but that's what I'm assuming. Um, but again, you know, uh, this will create an interesting dynamic because ESPN does does kind of dominate the 24/7 aspect of the news cycle, um, and so we'll see a lot of uh, a lot of favorable Alabama. Uh, articles from ESPN this year and a lot of favorable uh, Ohio State stories from Fox. Dude, that's that's exactly what I was thinking. Is like, 
how much more SEC bias is going to end up in ESPN and how much more, you know, how much less essentially Big Ten focus is going to be there. That It's already kind of been the uh, kind of main media narrative has, has been a very SEC focused thing. But um, I think what what is also interesting is that the Big Ten is getting a larger deal than the SEC network. And obviously, they're negotiated at different times. The markets grow. So, you know, that's a big part of it. But from my kind of Midwest pride, I'm just glad to see something from the Midwest doing really well like that. You know what I mean? It's just it's fun that it's the conference that our team's a part of that is building so well. And the um, the Big Ten commissioner, I think that the biggest slip up they had was how they handled COVID. But every other move they've made since then has just been very on point. So, you know, shout out to them for building a big empire out of what was just a college football conference. Um, you know, again, should that happen in amateur sports? Who knows? At the end of the day, at least we got to see it happen. It was, you know, and it's going to be fun. I think for me out here on the West Coast, I have no idea how this affects me. I don't know if I'm going to have to buy the streaming. I don't know what that looks like for this year. So that's really going to be my big question coming out from this is like, what does this actually do to the fan experience? Um, kind of moving this thing forward, there was a fun headline that I actually have in front of me. Uh, Red Sox starter Chris Sale broke his right wrist in a bike accident. This is not a, I mean, not fun for him, but funny in a sense because um, this is his second season. It was a, this is a off the off the field injury. He played five point two innings this season. Last year, only posted forty two point two innings and had a season ending injury as well. He's out for this season. Just a string of bad luck at this at this point for a guy like that. You just have to be humorous about it because you know it's it's a few years in a row now. Um, have you ever ever you know seen these types of stories be like pan out in a different way? Like baseball is obviously a different sport. I think a pitcher falling off a bike or breaking his wrist in a bike accident is very surprising to me, to be honest. Especially in city of Boston, which is uh, has you know great public transit, but also Cars don't drive that fast. Bikes, you know, kind of do their own thing. Uh, you know, this sort of this sort of injury thing is relatively uncommon in pro sports. Do you do you have any kind of sense as to um, this type of culture and like how this would affect their team? And you know, what does this look like in the sport of baseball as well? Well, I mean, this is the reason when these guys are getting paid uh, as much money as they get paid. This is why it's important, why I'm a supporter and advocate of the contracts having language in them that uh, that precludes them from certain off-field activities. Now, this this situation specifically, riding your bike, is not the same as like riding your motorcycle. It is a, it is a regular physical activity uh, that he could be doing just to keep up with his cardio. But it's just a reminder of like the risk. Uh, that comes from the ownership. We always hear the player side, the risk that always comes to signing players to guaranteed contracts like this, because now uh, the Red Sox are not going to get his services for the rest of the year. And I think he makes a pretty significant salary. This isn't the first time he's been injured doing something off the field. So with that kind of situation, you know, as a teammate, you end up, you know, if you become kind of that guy that's, always doing risky activities, you know, you start to lose your friends in the locker room because everyone's, most athletes are competing. They're trying to win. And if a guy is letting 
letting their team down consistently because he's not responsible when he leaves the field, um, that does become a problem, right? Yeah, couldn't agree more. It's, I mean, unfortunate for Chris. Hope he gets better soon. Uh, I cannot believe that a fractured wrist like that from a bike accident is ending his season as well. I mean, it is August, but still, that that sucks. So, you know, best wishes. That's a bummer. Um, something else happening in sports that I think is, you know, kind of a major, major moment is Serena Williams just announced that she's getting ready for her retirement from tennis. Serena, obviously the goat of, uh, of uh, I would say of tennis, uh, but of women's tennis for sure. 23 time grand uh, grand slam champion and uh, starting to voice that while she loves the sport, she's starting to feel a desire and a pull in other areas of her, of her life. Um, definitely going to be missed in a major way and, and definitely one of the most impactful athletes in the sport really ever her and her sister. Uh, what, what's your feel about this V? Um, I'm always a supporter of Serena Williams and specifically the stance that she takes because I don't think, you know, some people are saying, well, she's whining or complaining. She's just pointing out the reality that the reason that she has to quit the sport that she loves is because if she wants to have a family, she has to actually carry the child and go through that versus a male athlete like Tom Brady, able to continue to play till 45, 46, 47 you know, I think it was interesting that she brought that point up. I don't think that she's, I don't, I didn't view it as her complaining. I viewed it as her just highlighting a reality, you know what I mean? And that reality um, is unfortunate in just the way the biology works and if, that females often have to make these type of choices. I always have, uh, have always favored uh, females, even in that decision-making outside of sport. It's like, they do have to do most of the heavy lifting when it comes to starting a family. It is unfair, but unfortunately, that's that's the way biology works, right? Yeah, that's just how it is sometimes, man. It's a it's a tough one for sure. So, uh, you know, kind of moving it forward, there was uh, another headline with Kevin Durant over in Brooklyn uh, voicing essentially that he had met with Joe Sy. This is not from Kevin Durant. This is from uh, Shams on, on Twitter. But it says, essentially... Uh, apparently in his meeting, he re reiterated his trade request and essentially said, it's either me or you got to get rid of Steve Nash and Sean Marks, uh, who's the GM of the Nets. Uh, pretty bold, honestly, especially because I think he was pretty vocal in lobbying for Steve Nash. So I'm not sure exactly what went down here. I don't know much about Steve Nash's coaching ability, but I do know that there was a lot of content of Steve Nash and KD training together and Steve Nash really helping him learn a lot of the outside moves that he had built in his career earlier in KD's, KD's um, tenure in the NBA. So I am really surprised to see this turning into this sort of battle, and I didn't expect there to be beef between KD and Steve Nash when in the past, at least, it's looked like they've had a really great relationship. Yeah, and uh, Joe Sy, you know, adding fuel to the fire the next day came out and voiced his support for both of them. So there seems to be some some fire to this story and some truth to it, um, because otherwise, why would he come out um, so adamantly out of nowhere and, and voice his support for those two folks? And again, you know, love KD, the player. Um, you know, he gets, he gets uh, I, I, 
Kyrie gets a lot of flack because he's outspoken about um, some of the things that he cares about and the disruptions that he causes. But it seems like KD is like, you know, that, that, that messy kid in class who's always like creating mess in the background. But then when, you know, when the teacher's paying attention, he looks the most innocent. That's what it seems to be, you know, seems to be starting to become kind of the storyline uh, of, of Kevin Durant, uh, the player off the court. Again, nothing but respect for him as both a player in terms of his talent and his acumen as a businessman. It's just tough for me to figure out what's happening here. I don't know if he does this just because it's a strategic move uh, to, to generate attention in headlines because it's pretty funny throughout NBA circles. They say every time, you know, the NBA quiets down or something's not happening, KD comes up with something to, to, to light it back on fire from the trade request uh, to this now requesting that um, Sean Marks and Steve Nash get fired. But the, the biggest thing that's upsetting about this to me is this kind of new age culture where, you know, shit doesn't get kept in house. If this was actually a conversation that the owner had with KD and if he actually did voice this, this is something that should stay within the Nets organization. This isn't information that should be le- leaked because regardless of what the outcome, it creates a very awkward situation um, for from for your organization moving forward. Obviously, most damaging if KD does stay on the team and Steve Nash stays on the team. The right thing to do in this situation is always bring the people that you know, bring them into a room together and have them talk it out. And if it can't be solved, it can't be solved. But I hate this shit on both sides. I hate Joe Sy coming out in the media and doing, I hate Kevin Durant or whoever leaked the information in the first place. I just kind of am sick of all of this shit. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. It's uh, it's been a, a whole off season drama around Bro- Brooklyn and it's been a whole drama around, watching um you know whether katie and Kyrie will stay with the nets or leave and i think the guy um that everyone expected to leave Kyrie surprisingly re-upped but then now with this kd drama they have reignited the Kyrie to los angeles rumor mill and uh twitter and all of the nba reporters have another chance to get some eyeballs while basketball is not being played and i think like that's a big part of this stuff as well, especially on the reporting side, looking to create any sort of noise from any sort of situation, at least like getting those clicks in the off season. That's how these guys eat. So I understand, I understand what they got to do for their food, man. So for their bread, um, other news, Donald Trump's home was in, invaded by the FBI yesterday as of recording this, but a few days before you're hearing this episode, uh, this was super random, honestly. I didn't expect that to happen. And I, I genuinely don't know a ton of the context around it other than obviously the ongoing investigations and and, and the like. Um, but this is pretty unprecedented for a former president's home to be invaded by the FBI, at least as, as far as I know. And it it's a pretty wild world that we live in when, you know, this is actually like pretty legitimate as well. Yeah, I mean, of course, within like hours of it, it's being politicized um, versus actually being uh, appreciated and evaluated for what it is. You know, the the Republicans are saying this is a campaign maneuver and 
You know, the fact that everything is questioned like this, it creates doubt about every institution um, that we have. But the reality of this situation, when you look at it, is this, that he's been under investigation for a long time. The FBI has not leaked any information up to this point. They didn't leak this to the media that they were raiding his home. None of that. This, The only way that this information got out was because Trump himself leaked the information. So when the Republicans come out and say, okay, this is maneuvering for the midterm elections, no, this might actually be a case where this guy is culpable from what is being heard and understood. Trump took a lot of documents with him that you're supposed to leave behind and every other president, sensitive documents from the White House files um, that are supposed to be left behind um, as official government documents. And I believe that the, the, the understanding is that that is the reason for this raid, um, because some of those documents were missing and were supposed to be in Trump's possession, um, which, again, you know, let the thing play out before these, you know, th- that's what really, like you said, it's, it's just so messy. You know, at this point, it's like anything that happens, it, it automatically becomes a campaign a campaign issue from both sides. And it's just like, are we really watching? Our, our political system has become reality television. And it's it's sad because, I, you know, for us, we have to ask the question, like, these are the people that we're putting in, having responsible for all the things that we don't want to be responsible for. A hundred percent. I was also thinking about this, uh, just doing FBI raids and like sending the FBI to pursue other folks. It's like, it's like swatting, essentially, but for politicians at the end of the day, right? Like it, when you really look at government, a lot of the threats they make to each other, they're not going to enforce any of their laws on each other. No, it's they're not. Care tactics for politics and for power. So it, it really like if you boil it down, they're just swatting each other. At the end There's the no day. way that they're going to send Trump to jail, right? Like that. this is essentially don't run for president. That these are that's what this is, is like don't run for president. We have dirt on you and it will get exposed if you actually do campaign. That's what this is about. 100%. And he absolutely will. And then the dirt will get exposed and nobody will care because that's how the cycle goes. You know, another interesting uh, story in the political sphere is it's funny. Last week it came out that, um, that Nancy Pelosi's husband had sold a significant stake in NVIDIA, which is an international chip maker. Um, and people didn't understand why he had sold it at a, a loss and the timing of that. I just saw the headline today that Joe Biden announced uh, funding and support for the development of more American semiconductors and chips. So you act, people act like this isn't that, that his sudden sale of, you know, tens of millions of dollars of shares wasn't triggered by some inside information about this deal going through and NVIDIA um, yesterday dropped about 9% out of nowhere uh, as well. So we'll see if they uh, they actually investigate this investigate this case for insider trading or not. That's the that's the truth of like what's really going on. And, you know, they won't they won't investigate this. Right. Like they never they never really investigate the insider trading that's happening in Congress. But that's a great example just to showcase like how how people are actually running this country. You know, so. 
it's a huge story last week. Everyone's worried about the controversy. And then when the the story, it's so funny how this works. Then when the when Biden actually announces it, no one's talking about that sale anymore. It's just interesting to me. <laughs> I, you watch it and you think like, okay, this is like the most like deliberate like smoke and mirrors, and it's not even that hard to see through. But you just yeah. have, to have the attention span of like four days. You know what I mean? You can get four days ago. Like you can see through all this bullshit. And like for some reason, no one can remember more than like seven seconds like a goldfish. Because everyone's just, I mean, that's, everyone's looking for that next stimulation, right? And it's like, that's what it is. Even the Trump thing yesterday, like I got like 15 text messages, like Trump got raided by the FBI. I was like, so this made you stop everything in your day. Uh, to 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 tell everyone you know that Trump got raided by the FBI. Like, okay, good. Whatever happens, happens. Does it impact your life that much? But five minutes later, they're probably talking about something else. So, yeah, <laughs> there's a whole lot of people that would like to see him go to jail and you know have have some sort of trouble. But when you get into that level of power, like there's very little that can really truly affect you. It's a lot of it is just, it's signaling. It's signaling that we all buy into as a country. And it's signaling that unfortunately, you know, all these, all these laws that we follow, the people who are setting the laws don't follow any of them. And that's the truth of the matter. Right. And you just have to like come to peace with that at some point and realize that the end of the day, like we're all modern day slaves to this government. We're part of this system. We're part of, the way that they manipulate us through our school, through the music they play us, through the food they serve us, through every single institution that's been built has been built to enslave us. If you look at a Chinese factory and the model that they use there, all the factories that people are upset about, the labor standards, look at the way the country of America runs from the way you're born to where you get to. And you'll see the exact same system. It's parallel. Like what is a master's degree? A master's degree is a slave being trained to think like their master. That's what a yeah. master's degree is. Like, what are we doing out here? I feel like that the, even the names of everything are so obvious, like what the country does. And we just like buy into this indoctrination and it's, it's pretty nuts, man. Yeah. And it's funny because all the systems that were created, they're so much easier now to manipulate the masses because you have so many forms of media in so many ways that you can stimulate um, people's minds, right? Like, it's 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 like heaven for these folks, you know. Um, you know, keep everyone distracted while they focus on you know what they want to focus on, and it's unfortunate because I just, I, I, it's disheartening for me to say this, but I'm very dis disappointing in us as society and as the masses, as citizens that we're so easily easily swayed and so easily distracted and we're so superficial that <laughs> that this is that it is this easy you know what i mean <laughs> so it's it's really on us it's like really on us at the end of the day yeah so um last topic uh paul manafort uh actually came out yesterday saying that he gave data from the election the 2016 election to russians to uh according to him, lay the groundwork for future business deals. That's big because it actually is admitting that information was shared with 
the Russian government by the Trump campaign in, in 16. I think we all know that with the Cambridge Analytica stuff, with all the political ads that were run, there was obviously, you know, some some in, interesting, I'll say, means involved in winning that election. Uh, but, uh, you know, for me, I think like this is just one of those. It's like a great guy to have as your scapegoat. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just not sure where this takes takes anything else in the conversation. I mean, the reality is this should expose what's really going on. Right. Like, obviously, this happened. But I would I would I would say that this isn't the first time this isn't just a Trump thing. Um, information is shared. You know, there is a smoking gun with Hunter Biden as well and his relationships with Ukraine and what he did to get his business deals across the table, currying favor. I mean, look, the reality is that nobody is clean in either party. Find me an honest, honest politician and I'll show you the way to heaven. Right. That's that's kind of how I feel about this. Um, they're all doing some shady, shady shit. Um, to elevate their own personal interests. Um, and you just got to take the good with the bad and hope hope that they're, they're doing more good than bad for you as a citizen. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Well, on that note, we're at the end of our news and notes today. We're doing a deep dive, and it's about embracing change as it happens in your life. So stay tuned for that. It's going to be a really good episode. Um, that being said, we hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, stay moving. Be you. You is fly. Pilot Boys out.